Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. We were talking about uh, the beach month and we were going fishing, maybe some pure fishing or maybe you're going out in the ocean and doing some uh, uh, fishing on the boat. How many of you have fished out in the ocean before? Is that fun? I did some pure fishing, and all I caught was blowfish. Um, <laughs> but luckily, we had someone who could fillet those things, and so they were really good. This was years ago. Um, but yeah, it, nevertheless. So our first message was people fishing. And the key question that we asked was, what is attractive about my life at, uh, to the unbeliever? So we are the bait. What will attract an unbeliever to my life? We came out of Matthew four eighteen through 20. It says, come follow me and I will make you fish for people. Uh, we talked about having the right attire, knowing what type of fish you're trying to catch, which is unbelievers, and choosing the right bait, whether it be good deeds, fruits of the spirit, love, and preaching Christ. Those are the right types of bait we're going to use when trying to win the loss. Then, uh, the second Sunday we talked about who do you say that I am? And the key question was, who do you say that I am? <laughs> uh, we came out of Matthew 16, 13 through 17. It says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Um, and again, we can't continue to do church as usual. We can't be casual Christians when there's a world that has been lost. We can't, I mean, church is not a social tr- club. It's not just somewhere you go on Sundays. And I know in the South, it is very common. You grew up in church, and so it's just a thing to do. You go to church on Sunday, especially if you went to church a lot uh, when you were real little up until forever. <laughs> you just And it's just a habit sometimes, and we forget that um, this is not a social club. The church is the people, not necessarily a building, and we are to go out and win the world to Christ. Um, and now we're going to talk about opportunity knocks. And opportunity rarely knocks twice, <laughs> from what I hear. Uh, but with God, you can knock, knock several times. He'll give you plenty of opportunities to share uh, the good news of the gospel. Opportunity means a set of circumstances that make it, make it possible to do something. We must look for and be open to opportunities to evangelize and to share the good news of the gospel. We must be led by the Spirit. We must look for the opportunities. How many of us wake up looking for opportunities to share the gospel? I got one hand. I got two. Maybe four or five. Okay. But that's what we should be doing. We should wake up thinking about what is my plan to share the gospel on today. Thinking about my day, when might there be an opportunity for me to share the good news? I'll be honest, I, I didn't raise my hand because I'm not there. I'm, I'm praying that I get there. I'm working on it. Uh, I have someone that we're going to encourage one another to go out and evangelize. Uh, but just even opportunities throughout your week, throughout your day, um, pray for opportunities. How many of us pray for opportunities that we can share the gospel with others? I mean, thinking about your day, plan for opportunities to evangelize. And when you live your life or live your live your life that way, then you have some purpose. You're going to go about thinking about when can I share Christ? 
that gives you some motivation in the day, just not to go to work, just not to pay bills or just not to take care of something. But I'm looking to share Christ because he's the answer. So since I have this answer and this treasure, I'm going to look for opportunities to share that with other people. Um, Evangelism is not inviting someone to church. That is so easy. That is the cop out, I think. We can just invite them to church and maybe the pastor will evangelize to them and then they'll get saved. But that's not evangelism. (laughs) That's just inviting them to church. And I'm not saying that you should not invite people to church. You should. But that's not evangelism. Evangelism isn't praying for someone. Because we'll say that a lot, too. Well, I'll be praying for you. If someone shares some information, we'll say that. And we feel okay with going that step. We'll say we pray for you, but we won't go any further. So, And praying for people is good, but it's not evangelism. Sharing your personal testimony. Good. We should do that. We should share how the Lord has changed us, has delivered us from things, has uh, has, what benefits he's brought to us in our lives, how he's uh, done great things and marvelous healings for us. We should share our personal testimony, but that isn't evangelism. That may be a step into you evangelizing and saying how Christ died on the cross for your sins. And now that you have now you are redeemed, that may be an inroads to you evangelizing. But your personal testimony in and of itself is not evangelism. Uh, apologetics, meaning defending your faith, is not evangelism. It is important that we are able and equipped to defend our faith. And if you evangelize, you probably will probably have to defend your faith more. <laughs> but that you defend your faith is not in and of itself evangelism. Um, and one of the big ones that a lot of people say is that I'm just going to live my life so that it is evangelistic. That is not evangelism. <laughs> that is important. We should be the salt and light of the world. And the principle, that principle is in Matthew 5, 13 through 16. And I'm not saying that does not, your lifestyle should be one that people, that gets people's attention. And like that bait that we talk about when you go fishing, that people will recognize that something is different about you. But that in and of itself is not evangelism. Romans 10 and 14 declares, how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? And so we are to go out and preach the gospel. They're, they may be drawn by your lifestyle, but you're going to win them over by the gospel not just by your lifestyle. And a lot of times lifestyle evangelism can lead to some fallacies um, from the individual and the person looking at the individual in that people may see your lifestyle and may see flaws in your lifestyle and may see contradictions in your lifestyle. And because you based on this principle that, well, they see my lifestyle, they also see my flaws and they may think that I'm a hypocrite because I may not do all the things that I should be doing that they see. And that is why lifestyle evangelism doesn't always work because they may say, well, he's a hypocrite. It is not about my lifestyle. It is about his lifestyle and what he did on the cross. I'm asking for forgiveness just like you need to ask for forgiveness. I need to be redeemed. We're all sinners. 
My righteousness is as filthy rags, just like yours. The difference is I have accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, and he has redeemed me. So we can't always say my lifestyle would be that example. No, we need to go and say, I needed a Jesus Christ just like you needed Jesus Christ. And so uh, all these things are good things, but not evangelism. Mentioning sin, heaven, hell, the atonement, the resurrection, or any information that a sinner needs to know in order to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is important in evangelism. None of those things not necess- uh, don't necessarily mention those things. So all of the above. Those are good. Again, pray for people. Invite them to church. Share your personal testimony. We're not saying you shouldn't do those things, but they in and of themselves are not evangelism. And then there's the good news that we are presenting that makes a difference. Side note, <laughs> I listen to a podcast, and I listen to podcasts all the time, so you're going to hear me say this a lot. Um, and so I, I was doing some research on evangelism earlier in the month, and so I did a search on evangelism podcast, and so I say downloaded this one and was listening to it at work, and it was totally not about what I thought it was. So the world has co-opted evangelism. So this guy was a computer IT geek person, worked for Google, and he said, we had a culture of evangelism. And I was like, wait a minute. They're, they started talking about computers and stuff. I was like, this is not what I wanted to listen to. Uh, but I listened to the whole thing because what it did was he said, we have a culture of evangelism because we have the good news and that Google was sharing the, in, in their infancy sharing what they thought was good for people. And so that was their good news. And they were evangelizing. The culture of evangelism is that I'm not just selling you something to sell you something. I'm selling you something because it's good for you. And that was the difference. I was like, wow. So his sales were not just about meeting quotas and meeting numbers. It was really about identifying what people needed in their computer software systems or whatever, looking at what they needed, and then meeting that need. And this was from a secular standpoint. This is from a position. He was a uh, like an IT evangelism or something. I can't remember the title. But it had evangelism, evangelism in it, and I was like, this is wild <laughs> that this group, and this was years, this was probably 10 years ago that he started and and then and other um, IT companies have co-opted that to have people, and they consider themselves evangelists because they have what's good for people. And I was like, man, how can we, how should, we should be the leaders <laughs> in evangelism. And we have what's good for people. And it's not about meeting a sales quota or about trying to win someone over. It's about saying, I know what you need. And I know you need a Christ because I needed one. And we were in a similar position or situation. And so I'm going to present this to you so you make the right decision. And that was this guy's sales approach. He said sales blew up, went through the roof. And, <laughs> and now we know where Google is now because they had and they took a biblical principle and laid it upon their secular uh, corporation. And it worked for them. How much more? the kingdom, if the children of God take a biblical principle and say, we're going to go out 
and win people to Christ because we have what's good for them. Just a side note. Anyway, <laughs> I thought it was really good, but it was also somewhat interesting because I was like, man, I, I was looking for evangelism, but I was able to use that. Um, I learned from that, that the world is co-opting stuff from the Bible and using it for their own because they know that they realize these are the good principles to live by. Uh, so let us look at three different types of evangelistic styles um, that we find in the Bible. And there may be more. Um, I think these three cover a host of different things. And the goal I the goal is and I, I would challenge you at the end of, of the message, but I challenge you now is to put this into practice. This is not, you know, this is not a message I want you to shell for later or it really doesn't apply to me. It applies to everyone. Everyone. It applies. Even those who are evangelizing now, it applies to them. That maybe they should do more. Maybe they'll look at creative ways to, to win souls of Christ. But I really want us to consider what we can do as a body, as a church body, uh, but also as a community, even if you're not connected with Cornerstone per se, um, I still want you to do this for your body that you regularly attend, or even if you're not with the church body, this should be our practice. This should be our normal and natural practice of sharing the gospel to people. And that's what we need to make this normal and natural. And that's what my goal for myself personally is to make this natural and normal in my life to share the good news. So, um, the first type is contact evangelism. Uh, it's unique in this context is the fact that one must have a heart to share the love of God and his forgiveness to others. And this is intentional, and it is about a whosoever will. This is casting a broad net. This is the people who, no matter where they are, who they see, they're going to share the gospel. They don't have to have a relationship. They could have just met you. They could be, you know, walking on the street and you bumped into them and they're really, they're ready and able to share the good news with them. That is called contact evangelism. Uh, we see that in Acts chapter six and seven, uh, when Stephen gives his speech to the Sanhedrin. Um, now I'm not saying that you will be stoned like Stephen was, <laughs> Um, but Stephen found himself in a situation where he thought his life would be taken. And he said, this is my opportunity to share the good news. Um, and he took that opportunity and he didn't know the people around him per se. Uh, and they weren't necessarily friendly to him, but he took that opportunity to share the good news of the gospel. And I want to turn that because Stephen, uh, maybe inspires us to no matter what may be going on, um, that we should share the gospel. So let's turn to Acts. It's one of the scriptures I have here. It's Acts 6 and 7. I'm not going to read all of it. We're going to skip to the end. Probably the end of 7. Because he, I mean, Stephen lays it on them. He goes through the history. He He pours it on them. Uh, and like I said, in the end, he they stoned him. And as and so 59 of Acts chapter 7, it says, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, 
don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Even as they were not believing and was killing him, he says, forgive them for what they're doing. Just as Jesus said, he said, don't charge them for this sin that they're committing. He had a love for souls that were so deep that it went beyond his own personal pain that he was experiencing at that time. It would be easy for him to say, get them all back. (laughs) Cancel every last one of them as he died. No, but his love for souls were so great that even as they rejected his message, he said, don't charge them with this sin. And it was a contact. So it was just, it was a wide net that he was casting. He was speaking to whoever could hear him. It wasn't a, he didn't have personal relationships with those individuals there. Acts 17 also speaks of contact evangelism. It says when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphilos and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where they were Jew- where there was a Jewish synagogue as he as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and raise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah. He said some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas and Silas as did a large number of God fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So Paul just going through a city in Thessalonica, sharing the gospel, whosoever will hear it, he preaches it. It's just a contact kind of thing. It, doesn't no personal relationship, no prior relationship. He just goes in and preaches the gospel. We also see that in Acts. Let me go back though, uh, because it's interesting. In Acts six and seven, Paul is the one that approves of the stoning of Stephen. And then this is before Paul is converted. And Paul is eventually converted. Saul is conventionally converted to Paul, changes his name, and now he is the one who is presenting the same gospel that he approved of killing someone for. So Acts chapter eight, Philip in Samaria, uh, Philip went down to a city. Uh, that's chapter verse five it says Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. Um, so those are contact uh, called what we consider contact evangelism It is probably what you consider like giving out tracts, those type of things. No, not necessarily have, have a personal relationship. You're just casting a broad net. You're going to speak to whoever you come in contact with and you're sharing the gospel. And you may not see them ever again, but you planted that seed uh, throughout your seed and you hope that it fell on good ground and maybe it's watered by the next person. Um, we pray, Lord, if we are preparing people to hear about you, I am here and willing. So my prayer is that, Lord, if you are preparing people to hear about you, I am here willing to share you to others. Will you be so kind as to lead me to those whose hearts are ready to talk about these things? So that should be our prayer in the morning. We wake up. Hey, Lord, prepare the hearts and people to hear the message that I have, which is Jesus Christ. So that is contact evangelism. So the third one is called context evangelism. It's a play on the C's there, context. Um, <laughs> this occurs when a person finds him or herself in a context thrown together with another person through circumstances. This might include sitting next to someone on an airplane, riding in a taxi or Uber, 
uh, in a waiting room at a doctor's office. In these situations, it's relatively easy to start a conversation with someone. Um, So different from contact in that you may just be passing, you're going to give someone something, you may just present that message to them and move on. Here is different because maybe you and the other individuals are doing the same thing. You're waiting in the the waiting room at the emergency room or the doctor's office. You're at the dentist or you're in a cab or airplane. And so you have a longer opportunity to engage that person in a conversation and share the gospel with them. And they consider that context. So within the context of where you are, there is opportunity. And this is probably is where we could probably find our greatest opportunity as a church to do evangelism. When we're sitting beside someone we don't know and, you know, hey, how are you doing today? What are you in for? I'm here to get my teeth clean and, you know, <laughs> happens every six months. And so, you know, oh, you know, how's your family? Where are you from? You strike up those kind of general conversations and then that may lead you to have some some kind of deeper conversation and actually present the gospel to them. It is, I am always amazed at how much people are willing to tell you about their lives and you you just met them. I am always amazed at how much I will know about an individual I've never met. If just by sitting beside them for 10, 15 minutes, you know their whole life story. It's like, wow, I didn't know you know all that, but I appreciate it. <laughs> but those are the opportunities to then share the gospel. There may be something about you and that the, the world is yearning for an answer. And that just begs for someone to saying, I want help. I have all these issues in my life and I'm just throwing it on you. I'm just throwing it to whoever will listen, any captive audience. I want to share all this, bur- what is burdening me. And if you have the answer, why don't you just say, hey, you need Jesus, man. It sounds like I, I was, that's in a rough spot. That's a rough situation. And, and maybe you can relate to some of the things they say. Maybe you can weave in your personal testimony with them needing a savior. Um, maybe you can, after presenting Christ, say, hey, if you need a church to go to, I belong to Cornerstone Community Church or wherever you choose to go, go to get follow up, to get that support because you need that. Uh, so, so, yeah context matters and that's so it's important so that's why we look at in acts 8 26 and 38 and we're not gonna we're gonna go through some of these quickly um but acts 8 26 and 38 philip and the ethiopian philip was walking they were going the same direction philip was walking initially <laughs> to god said hey catch up with that chariot and share with him the gospel and uh he shared with that ethiopian uh, Jesus and the woman at the well in John 4, you know, they were both, Jesus was there and was thirsty and sitting by the well, and this woman comes up, and they had an opportunity to have a conversation initially about water. Um, and then he kind of showed her, hey, I am what you need. And then, well, I won't go any further. But, yeah, so Jesus and the woman at the well. So those are two areas where we see that context, and it's happened to several places in the Bible, and I could list. Uh, but again, this is probably where we could take the opportunity to really think about our day and to say, 
uh, this is I'm going to be going to the grocery store. So this may be an opportunity for me to either do some contact evangelism, passing someone in the aisle, or I may actually have a chance to. Sometimes my wife said, oh, I spent 30 minutes talking to somebody I really didn't know about uh, fruit or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and so that may be an opportunity to share the gospel at that moment. So we have contact, we have context, and then we have closeness, which can also be known as friendship, evangelism, um, not necessarily friendship, but it could be coworkers, family members, neighbors. These are people that you're going to see on a regular basis in your community, and you're going to build a relationship with them or choose to build a relationship with them. You can choose not to. You can know your, you can live beside your neighbor for years and not know them. You, that's a choice you make. Um, but you can choose to build a relationship with the people that you may see on a regular basis. And this evangelism, again, is normally known as friendship, but I wanted to stick with the C's, and so I said closeness. So you may see it somewhere else as friendship, but it's contact, context, and closeness. So, again, this, this evangelism um, this can be found in Andrew, when Andrew brought his brother Peter to Jesus. And then Philip brought his friend Nathaniel, and this is found in John 1, 40 through 51. And they may post it. I'm not going to read through it. Um, also, the Samaritan woman told her whole town about her encounter with Jesus. This would have been closeness. She went to her friends, and then she also maybe went to people she didn't know personally. But after she had a context uh, encounter, evangelistic encounter with Jesus, at the well, then she went out and said, hey, let me go tell my family. Let me go tell friends. And then she probably told people who she didn't know, I, come meet a man who spoke to me and has this life that we need. And so, yeah, so that would be considered a closeness. She talked to people, but it could also be contact and con- uh, contact in that there may have been people that she didn't know in that. We must challenge ourselves to always be ready to evangelize and make disciples. When we take the opportunity to evangelize, we get the experience, the benefits of evangelism. And I'm going to run through this quickly. We're running short on time. But um, I want us to, one, just acknowledge the importance of just evangelism without the benefits. The benefits is just that we, a soul has been won to Christ. Um, and there's one more person in the kingdom of God. That is the benefit. That is the ultimate benefit. And that, nece- that doesn't necessarily benefit us, but it benefits them. It benefits the body, um, of course. Um, but, yeah, that is the ultimate benefit. But there are some other benefits to evangelism. One, evangelism helps keep the gospel central in our lives and the church. And that's why I think we get up- away from so much in this American idea of church that we have. Uh, it becomes more about programs and gimmicky, flashy things. And it really should be about Jesus Christ and him being crucified. And so when we evangelize, we keep that at the center because we're constantly preaching that. If we're evangelizing, we're constantly preaching Jesus and him crucified. It's about Jesus and him being crucified and saving us from this, redeeming us from this lost world. And he could do the same for you. And you can say that again and again. And when you begin to say that, you realize, hey, this is the most important message we can do. Is go out and preach Jesus and him being crucified and saving us from ourselves. 
evangelism deepens our understanding of the most fundamental truths of the scripture. Um, again, this is important because there may be some people who uh, don't agree with what you believe, and you may have to, again, now work in your apologetics to defend your faith, and that deepens your understanding of the scripture, hopefully. It's different when someone, it's one thing to know something, but it's another thing to know something and to teach someone else what you know. Because when you teach someone else what you know, then that means I really got to know this because they're going to ask questions and I need to be prepared for those questions. And then if they ask me questions, then I need to be able to go say, hey, let me get back with you. Let me research. Let me find out what the answers are to those questions and come back and be ready. And it deepens your understanding of the truth of the gospel. And that is so important. You can ask any any teacher of any subject. It's one thing to know that subject. There's another thing to teach that you know mechanics that's why working on cars is becoming a lost art because mechanics don't want to teach that (laughs) teach that to people because they have to know that and sometimes they know it so well that they don't know how to teach it because they realize i don't know where you are in your walk with trying to fix a car (laughs) so i know so much that it just becomes such second nature becomes natural and to them in their life it's natural to them they don't have to think about it they know what they're doing and this house this is how evangelism should be for us it become natural for us properly motivated evangelism grows our love for god and our neighbor uh, Mark twelve twenty eight to thirty one says we are called to wholeheartedly love God, God, and people. You love God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And doing this helps that grow in us, and we need that to grow in us because honestly, we don't have enough love. We have enough isms and schisms in the world, but not enough love, and that's what we need to be showing is that love. Uh, evangelism prompts unexpected questions and objections, and I talk about that from non-Christians, which can deepen our faith. Evangelism protects us from mistakenly assuming that those around us are saved. And this is especially true in the South, uh, and it may be true other places as well, because church has become such a regular social event that everyone is a Christian. You go out and you ask people, who uh, live riotous life, what they identify as, and they say, I'm a Christian. <laughs> You're like, there's no way. I don't know. I don't see the fruit. Uh, but, you know, best, that is because in American society, 70% of us identify as Christians. But if you honestly l- dig a little deeper, probably only 20% of those people who identify as Christians are actually living in a faithful life. Uh so, yeah, so that is where we kind of have to dig a little deeper because initially people may say, yeah, I'm a Christian, too. But then if you see their lifestyle and you see how they what they do, it's like, oh, yeah, I need to evangelize. I need to <laughs> I need to share the good news of, uh, of Christ with them. Uh, but sometimes we can be fooled into thinking that everyone is saved because especially in lynchburg you know we have liberty <laughs> you know you assume everyone is saved everyone every student goes to liberty is saved that is not true at all even the people at the christian university would tell you some students there are not saved they need christ as well and they chose to go to that school for 
academic reasons. I got a scholarship. My parents made me go, whatever the case may be. And we can't assume that they are saved just because you attend a Christian university. And you can't assume because you don't attend a Christian university that you're not saved. Um, so, yeah. And then evangelism increases the likelihood of being persecuted for the gospel, which leads to our growth. I will say that again. <laughs> evangelism increases the likelihood of being persecuted for the gospel, which leads to our growth. And I did say these were the benefits of evangelism, right? I did say that in the beginning. <laughs> but there is a benefit in being persecuted. And we're going to turn there quickly. Uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5. And it says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our what? Mine says suffering. Say it again. This tribulation sounds a lot harder than sufferings. I don't know. Maybe it's both <laughs> sufferings and tribulations. Because we know that our sufferings and tribulations produces perseverance, character, hope. Yes, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, who has been given unto us. There is a benefit to being persecuted. It is leads to our growth. You might, you might have to repeat that to yourself several hundred times before you actually believe it. <laughs> but there is a benefit to being persecuted. So the challenge is to make evangelism natural and normal. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Natural and normal. The opportunities will come knocking at your door. Will you be ready and prepared to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let us not let fear anxiety, personality hangups, and any other thousands of excuses. And I didn't get into those on purpose because it's not about excuses. It's time out for that. It's not about, oh, I could have said, oh, well, these are, you know, you may have fear, you may have this, and nope, it doesn't matter. This is what we're supposed to do. Um, so we can come up, it's not about the thousands of excuses that we can come up with to keep us from sharing the gospel. The opportunity is knocking at your door. People are needing to hear the good news of the gospel. The only thing is, will you answer when they come knocking at your door? And sometimes you don't even have to ask or even pray or even seek it out. People will seek you out. So I, I'm going to quickly, you know, I'm going to show the, like I said, I'm a work in progress. I'm working on this, y'all. I am. <laughs> uh, but there was some opportunities at work that I missed, and so I wanted to share. I didn't want to always share the good things that I, you know, someone may do because you may feel like I'm boasting. I'm not trying to boast. Uh, but I do make mistakes, and I miss opportunities. And I knew knew that they were clearly opportunities that I had missed. So there was a young man at work who um, shared to me about some things, problems with his girlfriend, and they were breaking up and coming back together again. And I don't know how we got on the subject. Again, some of these things just happen to fall right in your lap, and you didn't ask for it at all. Um, and I knew that he was a – he said he uh, – in a couple of days of working with him, he said he went to um, LCA all all his life and graduated from LCA. And I asked him – I remember asking him, I said, oh, why did you go to Liberty? He said, oh, no, 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 not at all. 
I was like, okay. <laughs> he had like an aversion to that. I was like, all right, so there's something there. And I haven't dug into that, but I knew that there was an opportunity that I missed because that was a great opportunity to kind of probe into that and to really see what he was, you know, what was going on and to share the good news of the gospel, which I'm sure he's heard at LCA or assume he's heard. Um, but I missed that opportunity. And so I think about that. Like several days now, I've been like, man, I need to go back to him <laughs> and because I miss an opportunity. And I know there may be opportunities like that that you may see and miss, and we will make mistakes. And I share this because we will make mistakes. We will miss opportunities, and we will think about them and say, man, that was a great opportunity to share Christ with this individual, and I missed it. And luckily for me, if he continues to work or stays alive, <laughs> that I'll be able to share uh, the gospel with him. Um, but that's not always the case. So uh, the opportunity may knock once. A lot of times we may have several times, especially with coworkers, that we may be able to encounter them again and to share the good news of the gospel with them again. But that's not always the case. And so we want to make sure we share the good news of the gospel. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.